Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to TR Off Air. You are tuning in here with me, Nick. And Jordan. Jordan, what's up? We are finally yeah. here. Uh, the podcast that we have all been waiting for is has come to life. How are you? How how are yeah. th- how has things been? Like, you know, after our airings, I was really missing talking on the mic. And I really yeah. like there's so much bottled off talks that sayang na we weren't able to talk about during our airings. But now we have an opportunity to utilize our podcast. Yeah, you know, there's a, a lot of things going on as of late. And obviously, you know, we, we want to we talk about those things and uh, stuff mm-hmm. that we're doing this summer. What are your plans for this summer, for you personally? Yeah, my plans for the summer. I think I'm trying to focus on resting, but at the same time, I'm kind of conflicted because I also want to make money. <laughs> like, I'm trying to find <laughs> part-time jobs here and there. But yeah, so far, that's my plan. How about you, Nick? Uh, me, it's OJT season. Uh, yeah. so junior year has come to an end, officially a senior in a couple of months. So now mm-hmm. uh, starting to get into some, uh, to all of those big boy stuff, big boy stuff. Yes, <laughs> as they I know say. it's, it's going to be pretty challenging for you. But then again, that's part of life. It is, it is. And uh, so we discussed what we are doing, you know, what the, the plans that we have. But what about mm-hmm. our professors? What do you think our professors are doing? Perhaps they're trying to recuperate their strength as well. Because, like, imagine handling more than 50 students and you don't know how many sections they do handle in one school year. So, you know, just the time to rest and relax, just stay away from the exhausting energy that, of course, us students also um, have during our season, our study season. Of course, our professors also experience stress. Definitely a time to uh, re-energize ourselves for the incoming school year because we don't know if this uh, next coming school year is going to be all online or, you know, it's going to be some mix and match with online and face-to-face. Hopefully. Well, let's see. But luckily mm-hmm. on our show for today, we have a very, very special guest who we can uh, kind of pick the brains of and uh, see what our professors are going to be doing for this summer. So, Jordine, would you please do the honors? All right. So for our very first guest, for our first podcast episode, uh, we have a PhD creative writing student at UP Diliman. And he is also a USD alumni from AB Journalism. And of course, he also studied MFA. He completed his MFA at Creative Writing at De La Salle University. And of course, he is also the author of Murmur Asylum and Tilt Me and I Bend, both published by the University of the Philippines Press. And now currently, he is an assistant professor at the University of Santo Tomas, the deputy director of the USD Publishing House, WOW, uh, the resident fellow of the USD Center for Creative Writing and Literary Studies. And now he's currently working on his third poetry collection entitled Beloved Antimatter, a collection in Filipino and Lingid Salamal, and the English translation of Chuck Berry J. Pascual's Ang Nawawala. So, Sir, yes, uh, very, very yeah. uh, special guest here. So, welcome to the show, Mr. Ned Parfan. Hi, Ned. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking Hi. the time. I, sure. Thank you for choosing me as your very first guest. It's a uh, I don't know. It's it's weird because I'm I'm not sure why I'm the first, but I'm also happy, very happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've heard uh, a lot of great things about you, and you know your students have uh, spoken highly about you as well. So we are very excited to 
to pick your brain for today. Uh, how are you feeling? How's how's the week been? The month? The year? <laughs> how's uh, how's life been in general? Well, um, it's uh, it's currently grading season, so uh, everybody's uh, meaning all my friends are in Czech Republic right now. So uh, we're busy um, trying to upload grades, and uh, yeah, that's basically my main goal for for this week to upload all the grades and be done with it. <laughs> So fast. Even though we're already on a break, our professors are still working. So my mind right. is one week from the rest. <laughs> but now, sir, like we've recalled lahat ng mga um, your credentials and of course what you've accomplished as a professor. And now I just want to ask you a really quick question. How could you describe the difference um, when you were a student back in USD and now na you're a professor? It's like the best of both worlds, kumbaga. Oh, well, back then, uh, well, just a little bit of background and, and, you know, just cut me off if I go off tangent. But I came into USD as, as a PROMD, full-blooded PROMD. I attended only ever, uh, just one school ever from the beginning all the way to high school graduation. So coming to USD was a culture shock for me. Coming from a school uh, where we had cows and, you know, swamps inside the campus to, you know, USD. So USD was kind of like my my own little refuge, my intramuros in, in this crazy city. So, yeah, so it, it was a culture shock. And, you know, I, nobody talked like me. Um, everybody talked like, you know, they talked on, on television. Nobody had the Bulacanio accent. So, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, uh, that was me coming into USD. But uh, I guess the difference right now is... Uh, it's an ever-changing landscape. I, I don't recall USD ever not having any construction going on. There's always something. There's always another building rising. There's always another building, you know, changing. So it's it's constantly changing. But I guess the, the trade-off is we get uh, less and less open spaces. And that was kind of, you know, I, I guess well, we, we still have them, and it, you know, it's it's still our uh, pride and joy to have these open spaces compared to, let's say, um, other um, universities, especially within the university belt. The uh, Quadricentennial Pavilion wasn't there before; it was an open field uh, where people, uh, you know, uh, where students play football in the morning, and sometimes we would have concerts there at night. I remember watching Kitchinadal. The space in front of the library was, you know, just full of trees. Uh, there was no Tanya and Key. So if you have a six to nine class at the Faculty of Arts and Letters and you exit the building at night, you will be engulfed by the scent of flowering trees. And I, I kind of miss that, but you know, <laughs> we still have a lot of open spaces. So yeah, um, in terms of, you know, the, the students, it's still the same concerns. Uh, there's always uh, something to be said about, you know, having to wear a uniform that has never changed. Right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the, the students are still, they, they, I, I still recognize this, the same attitude from students back when I was a student. So I kind of, you know, recognize myself and, and, you know, my friends sometimes from, from my own students. You know? I, I love how, you know, you've, you've kind of had like a, a second life uh, in a sense, because you, you know you were a professor, you were a student before, and then now you're a professor in USD. So you've kind of lived uh, a good amount of your life, you know, in USD. And now, obviously, with the pandemic, uh, all of us cannot be there. And uh, since we're already on the topic of your journey, um, 
of all the prof- uh, the professions there that you yeah uh, you could have take or took after college. Uh, we uh, we mentioned earlier you were a uh, graduate of the journalism program, so uh, you know you could have been a journalist. You could have gone mm-hmm. into uh, law and all that, uh, but you chose to be a professor. Why uh, why uh, the choice on being a professor? Like what urged you and motivated you to? go through this uh, career path like take us through how it all went down oh i guess my my journey to, uh, into being a professor um is intertwined with my journey to being a writer um because i don't think i'll be teaching right now if it weren't for my writing i've i've always uh, wanted to be a writer i didn't know what it meant back then i wrote little poems when i was 10 years old and i come from a family of accountants and businessmen so they didn't understand it they thought oh how cute nagsusulat ng tula wow <laughs> and then i would write them on using my my dad's typewriter he's he's a cpa so he had the seal the the conrado g parfan cpa seal and i would you know seal my poems with that and put them Standard. in an envelope <laughs> And then kind of open them myself and pretend I'm an editor reading, you know, somebody's submission. So that, right. that was uh, exciting for me. And then I guess when I was in high school, you know how we were assigned to report on the chapters of the Noli and the Philly. So you yeah. get your assigned chapters and I would get mine and, you know, that I would do it differently from my classmates. I would research, I would compare the editions, um, and then I would report without the book with me. I would, you know, have the talking points memorized, and then my classmates started asking me, why, why do you do it like that? Do you want to be a teacher? So I guess that card has always been in the deck for me. And then I guess at some point I realized that I couldn't make money writing poetry, so I have to teach to kind of find a living but you know it's difficult to get into teaching you need yeah. to have a master's degree if you want to get uh, if you want to teach in USD for example so um, I didn't have an, an MFA I sent myself to MFA I you know I worked odd jobs I took uh, sweatshop writing I bred African lovebirds you know for extra income just to uh, send myself to MFA But uh, as far as journalism is concerned, I think I've always known that, you know, that wasn't really the thing for me. I took it because it was the closest thing to creative writing at the time. There was no creative writing um, course at that time. And I felt that especially when uh, we had courses like, say, sports journalism. I didn't even understand golf. (laughs) How am I supposed to write about something that I, I don't even want to understand? So... Yep. Yeah, so those are the elements that went went into the decision process to being a professor at some point. And then, of course, you, you have to get tenured, and it was K-12. And when I got my tenure during K-12, that was the sign for me that, you know, maybe this is, this is it. And um, not to bring back uh, any negative memories, but it, it got a little bloody, you know, among uh, friends and colleagues, uh, not just from USD, but, you know, among my professor friends from other universities, um, we had uh, colleagues crying, you know, because um, they were told that, you know, they didn't have any freshmen to teach, so they, they couldn't come back. So, yeah. and it was tough and I was non-tenured, so there was no guarantee. My, my contract was ending. And then, you know, suddenly I, I got a message that said I was getting tenured. So, and people started calling me the chosen one because you know it was, <laughs> it was mighty difficult at that time. So I, I took it as, you know, a kind of a badge that, you know, that happened for me. So that was my sign that I'm in this for the long haul. 
So really, you took what was initially just a job that you know you you, you took because you know you need, you needed to make ends meet, and now into you know a full fledged career and something that you can really say that you are passionate about and say that it brings joy to you every day, right? Well, it does. It does. For me, whenever I'm teaching, I really don't see it as a job. The the commute to UST is a job. The, you know, waking up in the middle of, you know, waking up at daybreak is is a job. You know, waking up to an alarm, uh, having to get up from, uh, from that is a job. And, you know, walking from one building to the next is a job. But the moment I get into the classroom, I take a breath. And then I forget that, you know, that's what I'm being paid to do because um, I, I really don't see it as, I, I see it as um, paid chikahan. I'm being paid to, <laughs> to talk about my favorite poems, my favorite uh, story characters. It's what I would do, even if you don't pay me to do it. I, I, I would do it with my friends over, you know, uh, dinner or coffee or whatever. So so it's a, it's, it's a blessing, I guess, that I, I get to do what I love. I see. Now, like, I'm already telling, sir, by by your vibe, I could already tell that your class is very interactive. And of course, I enjoy telling students your presence and everything whenever you do teach. But now, now we're going into the summer vacation. Like, what do you usually do when you're not teaching? You know, just, just time for yourself. What are your usual summer vacation plans? I have to tell you something. I have never had a summer vacation since 2014. Wow. So, five um, years, five summers. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what students imagine uh, teachers do when they're not in the classroom, but uh, I guess some of us continue to work. Uh, there's always something. It's always not uh, up to me. It was, it was always, you know, it would, uh, something would always fall on my lap. It's either editing a journal you know, during the term break, uh, it's um, I ran the UST National Writers Workshop for three consecutive years. Uh, some of those happened during the summer break. I did summer teaching once, and you know, one class is Monday to Friday. There's uh, you you don't feel any vacation there, and then suddenly I wake up and I'm the deputy director of of a publishing house. So and you know we we don't get summer breaks uh, for for office work. So. Yeah, but um, if you're asking me what I would want to do <laughs> for 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 my vacation, I would just want to you know stand in front of this wall behind me and you know just just pick a random book and yeah just do a marathon and and be done with it because that's my goal. This is my my biggest pretension in life. That, you know because you know every time I would be in a, in, in Zoom meetings. You know, people would see this and they have no idea that I have not even read, you know, even just half of it because there's not much time. But uh, what I, I like about collecting books is it's I guess it's a promise to yourself. It's a set, it's like setting a future date with yourself. You you buy a book and then think, of course, you're, you're going to read it at some point. So there's it's like a promise, you know, it's like uh, looking forward to a kind of future. So. Uh, it's very, it's a very optimistic feeling. So, I guess may just swak naren that you know I got into publishing. I don't know how that happened exactly, but you know it, it, I I don't hate it for for uh, because of those reasons. It looks like I'm gonna try to look for a book now, but I can make a promise for myself too. Because <laughs> it's been it's been a while. It's been a while since I've read a book of my own. But Ned, um, you mentioned that you know professors like you 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 guys don't really have breaks. 
or summer vacations for that matter. But the students do. And when the students are on break, you know, you don't really get to talk to them unless of course you have a couple of students who are you're you're really close with and maybe you follow them on social media and stuff like that and then you get to interact with them there but for the majority or for the most part you're really away from your students and now more than ever with the pandemic and everything we're really really just apart from each other but specifically but specifically during summer breaks do the professors miss the students if so what is uh, the thing that you as professors miss the most about them? Like truly from, from, uh, from the bottom of your hearts. <laughs> what, I, what I miss the most about students during summer break, I don't know, I guess the laughter. Uh, but before that, some, some professors do have vacations, you know, and they would post pictures from Japan or, right, right. you know, I would hate them for two seconds. But, <laughs> um, and, but uh, yeah, but for students, um, I don't think I, I miss them. I, I think that would be creepy if I, you know, <laughs> I'm sincerely like miss them. But yeah. no, but I, I do miss the, the feeling of, you know, being in a classroom. Some, sometimes I would, you know, end up talking to myself and kind of like how I would rehearse a discussion because teachers do that. I don't know if they would admit it, but, you know, they do. So, yeah, especially when I come across a new poem or a new short story, I would imagine how, how I would discuss it in front of the class. You know, so uh, I guess in, in that way, I, I do miss the, the idea of them. But uh, yeah, let's clarify it that way. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> the idea of them, but not specific students. Yeah. You've been exposed to many different colleges and students, sir. So like based on your teaching um, experience in different colleges, like what have you observed across um, majors and programs? Like uh, do students are are students different across each department? Like how how would you describe each and one of them? Oh, they're, they're so different. They're so different. It's like being in a different school each time you uh, go to a different college. Yeah, I, I don't know where to start. Where, where would you want me to start? I guess the the most memorable for me, because I started there, this was back then, or back when teachers were kind of sequestered within colleges. So even if I was a literature professor, I would be hired by the College of Accountancy, for example. Uh, that was the case back then, before the, the what they called the uh, vertical alignment. So... Uh, back then, we had our own little tribes uh, as, as teachers, and, you know, we would compare notes. So uh, back in the College of Accountancy, that, that's, that's uh, where I started. They were just brilliant. I guess the, it's... Uh, okay, fine. I'll, I'll say it. They're the best uh, students in the university. <laughs> They're the best students in the university. I'm, I'm sorry if you're from... Hashtag being real. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. You would get class uh, uh, an entire class of valedictorians and salutatorians sometimes, and you know uh, they're they're always fo- uh, they're always focused on their major subjects. So having a literature class or a humanities a humanities class for them would be their icebreaker. Whenever they would have uh, an accountancy quiz, uh, they're like zombies. So they're really focused on that. So yeah, so. Um, they're not the best writers, but they, they, they have the best grammar. They're not the, the most creative, but they're the most uh, ingenious, madiscarte. So yeah, I, I, I do miss uh, teaching at the College of Accountancy. Um, I guess uh, the, the next college would, would, would be uh, the College of Science. 
uh, they're also very uh, focused on their majors. Um, you would enter the classroom and they would still have, you know, the uh, drawings of cells and mitochondria <laughs> on their, you know, whiteboards and they're, they're still kind of zoned out about it. Um, yeah, but they, they treat your class as a kind of an icebreaker. So it's it's always fun when you're the 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 fun subject. So yeah. <laughs> you have to make it fun as well for them. Yeah, I, I make sure that they, they, they have fun. I, I don't give them any really dead serious topics like um I, I would i would tell them okay this is the history of music and then let's move on you know we're not gonna linger on that we will yeah. we'll listen to music that's what we'll do so that's what i did as as a humanities teacher so okay. yeah with I, I think the the most serious students when it comes to like uh in, in when it comes to class participation would be um the college of architecture students I don't know. There, there's something about them because they're they're always stressed about their plates. So whenever they would have uh, a quiz on on literature or humanities, I don't know what it is. They they just have to take it seriously. So um, even if you give them jokes, it's it's like, okay, what's the next topic? <laughs> so, but like like like, sir. Okay, this one's for the books. I just want to ask since you did not mention our homegrown A B. Yeah. <laughs> And just to note also that everyone else here is from uh, AB. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was expecting, I was expecting Mama mention on AB. I was looking forward. No, uh, because, you know, I, I think the, the people I'm talking to are already familiar with it. But I, I guess for, for this, for the rest of, you know, whoever would, would want to listen to this, um, the, the Arts and Letters has always been... I, I guess it's polarizing because they're not really <laughs> they're not really focused on studying, but they're intelligent, they're brilliant, but you know they're, they're not gonna study, they're not gonna read what you what, what you tell them to read. If you get the chance to pick their brains, you know there's somebody there, some somebody's home, you know you just you know have to press the doorbell or something. But <laughs> yeah, they're there, so they're very loud, I guess, because among the arts colleges. You would see how how creative they are with you know just what they do. So like I used to teach as well uh, at the Conservatory of Music, and you know that's the most fun. You know it's it just tell them to to, to perform and and sing and and they'll do it. So okay, that's your uh, we'll grade this activity what whatever this is. So that's the most fun. So they always have their instruments. They're always walking around singing, and you know vocalizing. And then you have C five students with their um, paintings, you would have the architecture students with their plates, you would have all the art students would have their uh, props, right? But the AB students, they, they don't have anything. What, what what props would you want them to bring? They're not going to walk around with their ball pen. <laughs> so they, they would express it in, you know, in different ways. So sometimes it, it gets crazy. When you were uh, narrowing it down, like uh, uh, they don't study. I was like, oh, me, check. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're loud. Huh? Me? Check. <laughs> Maybe I am uh, meant for this uh, college. So, Ned, uh, you know, in, in terms of the the output, naman. Again, you mentioned you've you've already gone through different different types of colleges, whether it be a different school or a different college in that specific school. You know, you've been able to experience all sorts of personalities, and obviously, I'm, I'm sure you've been able to experience different types of outputs from those students as well. What's a common observation that professors have in terms of the students' output in general? Is there something that students that students do that 
that uh, the professors enjoy like uh let's let's say like they they cite extensively and that's something that you guys en- enjoy or is there like a pet peeve that students do and then it's a common thing amongst professors and then they just really it's, it just really grinds their gears or like what are those things uh, in terms of uh, student presentations, I guess one thing that I, I, I always observe wherever I'm teaching is they over prepare on the unimportant things. Mm. Like it's it's not about your title page with a nice font and colors. It's about the content of the essay, right? So that's what I'm talking about. So they, they always over prepare on things that are not really um, or, or that were not mentioned in the, you know, in, in, the, in the things that will be graded. So let's say, okay, if, if you're going to give me a video, just make sure that you cover the important uh, themes in, in the story or the poem. And then, you know, they, they would, you know, turn it into something that's not really, you know, th- th- it's completely off topic. It has nothing to do with the poem anymore. They're just basically making fun of it and, you know, making sure that the students will laugh when they see it. So, yeah, I guess they, yeah, that's one thing. They over-prepare on the things that are not important to their grades, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, this one thing. You know, besides paperwork, I think, like, one of the things that are so fun to do in class are, like, class presentations, whether it's group or solo. There are, like, some different ways to sp- uh, that students do spice it up whenever they're presenting, you know, especially ngayon na online classes. Um, some students use green screens whenever they're presenting mm-hmm. or um, whatever technology that's available. Now, like, sir, like, when it comes to presentations, like, ano po yung, like, what do you usually notice when students present their writings or whenever they do a book report, for example, in your class? Uh, what I usually observe, uh, I guess, in, in general, there will always be somebody who never got the instructions right. <laughs> okay. I used to circulate a paper that that had to be signed that says i have read all the instructions and and things like that but there will always be that one student who's um for lack of a better term lutang um sometimes i would say some uh, i would say something as a joke and then they would take it seriously like oh so that's how we're supposed to do it so and then they they would get it wrong so uh, for the most part, I think students just really want to get a good grade. And um, that is a concept that's alien to me. I, I usually tell them, you know, it's not really important in the long run, but um, some of them do have scholarships, so I do understand that. Yeah, but the professionals that I know who were my classmates, they, they were never really grade conscious. They, they just do the job and then... You know, they learn from the lessons, the, the discussions, the, from the, the outputs, and then uh, they're good to go. But, you know, the, the grades are not really that important for, uh, for me in the long run. I guess if, if you're, you know, gunning for uh, a certain GPA to, to maintain uh, your, your placement in the program, then, yeah, it, it, right. it does matter. But for arts and letters, eh, um, <laughs> 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 well, if, if, you, if you do a good job, then, you know, good job. You're, you're good at following instructions. But, you know, you, you also have to mind your time in the college. It's not always just about studying. It's about creating bonds with, uh, with your friends. It's uh, creating memories that you know sometimes it's, it's it's all you remember from from college i don't remember all of my lessons but i remember all of my friends there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh and i'm sure that you've also remembered a couple of 
I guess, funny moments uh, that you've had in class? Well, I mean, again, speaking as a, as a student, there's I've always remembered a, a lot of the more hilarious stuff that's happened, whether it's to me or to my classmates in class. And I'm sure you, during your classes, we've uh, experienced some of those moments Uh, whether it's a student saying something very funny or doing something very funny. But what is that exact moment or like a funny moment that you've experienced in class that you will always, always remember when, you know, you look back on your career in the future? It, it always has something to do with the food, you know. It, because <laughs> let's keep bringing food yes. in, inside the classroom. Um, I guess they're always hungry. I, <laughs> you know, I wish I could do the same. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's stories about food. Sometimes, you know, I would tell them, let's say in a three-hour class, you can have a 30-minute break. And then they would go down and, you know, get McDonald's and they would they would eat the spaghetti and the chicken inside the classroom. And you know, so I, I learned to to give the house rules, right, uh, at, the, at the beginning. Um, don't eat anything that requires spoon and fork. Don't eat anything that, you know, that would have soup in it. You know, things like that. It, w- it would sometimes be smelly. Um, and then one time there was this poor student who, um, because um, in, in the College of Accountancy, you know, you just go down two flights of stairs and you're, you know, in, surrounded by, by food, right? So, yep, yep. Um, and what I don't understand is why some of them, when you buy shawmai, it's like four pieces, right? So I, I don't understand why they don't, eat the four pieces right there. They would have to take it to the classroom and eat it there. And you know, sometimes it would have the soy sauce and, and the calamansi. And then, yeah, somebody tripped on, on somebody's bag and spilled the, the toyo on, oh, on the students. So, <laughs> yeah, I will never uh, forget her face while she's picking the, the calamansi uh, seed from her uniform. That's first period and her uniform is ruined. So, Um, and and I, I would always feel guilty about that. Like, this is my fault because I allowed it. So next time I'll make sure that, you know. Like, I'm pretty sure that's also like an unforgettable memory, <laughs> but also an unforgettable smell during that day. Yeah. <laughs> It's stuck yeah. on the entire day in the classroom. Those are some memories that we really do miss. I, I miss hanging out in the classroom, um, going out during breaks. But, you know, now that we're in an online setting, <laughs> just to get your food. But, you know, in this entire online setup, I know it has been really stressful on both ends. But I just want to ask, um, like, what are your advice for students who are experiencing this really stressful period in their lifetime, especially from you as well? What has helped you um, become more resilient in this time of pandemic at the same time? Um, I guess just be uh, upfront about how you're feeling for the day. Um, and, you know, just take it day by day. If, if today you don't feel like going to class, don't go to class. If you miss a quiz, you know, that's a, that's a, a chance that you'll, you'll have to take. But just be uh, upfront about it because, yeah, in, in the long run, it doesn't matter what you got from a quiz. It doesn't matter what, what grade you got. It's, uh, it's about how you got through it, I, I guess, in the long run. I would want my students to tell me if, you know, if they can't submit a specific requirement, if they're really stressed about it, then, you know, having an incomplete or uh, an in-progress grade is, is not a bad thing during the pandemic. Uh, there should be no stigma when it comes to mental health. Yeah, so those are the things that, you know, that would get me through day by day. So I would want my students to, 
to do the same. So when I'm not really feeling up to it, you know, I just close my laptop and, you know, forget that I have emails to send and things like that. And, you know, just, just lie down or, you know, go out to my garden. I have, you know, plenty of plants here so <laughs> to relax me, uh, I guess. Students can, can have that too. Uh, I think it's different for students though because um, some of them are minors and they're not allowed to go outside. And some of them don't have an idea of household situation. They might be living with, you know, people that, you know, they're not really comfortable with. And that's, you know, something that they have to talk about with, with somebody. You know, because just because we're in an online setup and we don't get to see our classmates, it doesn't mean that, you know, we can't send them a private message or have a, an intimate Zoom meeting with, you know, with just you guys. So that's, that's something that I would want to encourage. Just just talk, talk to each other. And yeah, like, I really find this question really important because it also shows that, you know, students aren't the only ones vulnerable in this period of time. And of course, it's a great leeway for having your um, side of the story then because, of course, students, sometimes teachers are overpowered by students and mostly it's always us who are always concerned for ourselves and, you know, overwhelming para yung, this entire new setup for us but the teachers are also affected by this and you know everyone is just trying to get by in this period of time nga. yes very very true i love it i love it it's always uh, a refreshing thing to hear especially from the other side or the other party because i, I feel like throughout the you know this experience with online classes it's been a teacher versus student type of thing when when it should really be more just us versus everything else that's happening outside of the 13 inch screens that we're always facing every day and i love everything that you said ned on the show it's uh it's a great insights coming from you as a professor and i know now why your student speaks very very highly of you because uh you know it's uh, such insightful stuff and again a great side to hear especially from professors. Ned, uh, we appreciate your time here on the show. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time. We know it's uh, very busy. Uh, it's final season for, for all yeah. of us. So I'm sure you have uh, a lot on your plate. Um, is there any last words uh, that you want to say or anything that you want to plug for, for you yourself personally? Uh, well, I, 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 at the moment, I have nothing to plug, but I just also want to thank you, Nick and Jordan. And um, for students who are struggling like uh, right now, I just want to, to tell them that, you know, your life, your, your mental well-being is more important than any grade you're ever going to get. So if you have to give up for the day, just, just, uh, just go for it and, you know, give yourself a break. Yeah. Love that. Thank you so much, Ned. Uh, by the way, guys, if you haven't yet, please make sure that you follow us on all of our social media media accounts. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's USD Tiger Radio. And on Twitter, it's Tiger Radio USD. And of course, follow us on our official podcast here on Spotify. Ned, again, thank you so much for your time. And so we hope I meet you soon. We hope we meet you soon in uh, USD. Thank you again for your time. And thank you very much as well. Thank you. Peace, guys. This has been TR Off Air, -Air. Tiger Radio's official podcast show featuring live and entertainment. Follow our social medias for more updates on the next episodes. Only on the station where you hear the roar, USD Tiger Radio.